Welcome into the Warehouse, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles and Major League Baseball. The Warehouse is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Welcome in. We're back. It's the warehouse. Thanks for joining us. Uh, first word from our sponsor, Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One, their third generation family business established in 1959, located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster. They're the oldest floor covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest running flooring businesses. For all your flooring needs, think Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. Excited, as always, to talk to my colleagues, Matt Corey and Dr. Stephen Lothis. Uh, before I speak to them, just want to give a shout-out to our colleagues at On The Verge, who received a shout-out from Orioles GM, uh, Michael Elias. And that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, for them, yeah, you never know who is listening. And uh, it's cool to see uh, uh, their efforts been uh, been appreciated. So, uh, good stuff there. Very uh, nice. And uh, I know a number of uh, players and their families have found the have found that show, which makes sense. You know, <laughs> direct coverage of the Orioles minor leagues, and uh, people are starved for that information. So, uh, you know, congrats to them. They've worked hard, and good to see. They do a fantastic job. I've really enjoyed uh, listening to that that podcast. And and Stephen, you've been fantastic when you've been on it as well. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to be on there. One of the few places I really get to dive deep into the draft and you know they the coverage that they do just not only on the draft they claim to not know much about it but they know more than they uh they let on yeah they're really knowledgeable about so much like the whole you know scouting and and the you know the the level of uh, every level of orioles minor league system it's uh it's it's very impressive and they've worked well together uh, which is the you know uh, biggest thing so hey Good job with them. Uh, they'll continue, continue on and continue to grow, and that, that's great to see. Uh, for us, let's uh, kind of dive into some larger MLB talk, and then we'll finish with the Orioles. Uh, we'll start with the AL East. Uh, Springer's been back healthy for Toronto, and he's been raking. Uh, Jay's still in fourth in the division, seven games back. Uh, Toronto, Tampa, New York, they're all 8-2 and two in their last 10. Boston's on a skid. Uh, just kind of updated East thoughts, and Matt, we'll start with you. Yeah, it's been a rough time for the Red Sox. I mean, since the trade deadline, you know, the every team in, in uh, the division, save the Orioles and, and Red Sox, made significant additions that have helped them so far. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – <laughs> <laughs> it's not showed well for for Boston. I mean, you know, you could you could put um, you know vintage Mike Trout on this team right now, and they they would still struggle, you know, with runners and scoring position and starting rotation is is rough and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Sale is coming back this weekend versus the Orioles, right? Yeah, Sale's going to make his first start in two years against Baltimore on the weekend, and. Um, so Orioles fans will get to watch that. And presumably Kyle Schwarber will come uh, at some point. Um, he had a setback uh, of some type, different muscle pull um, than the one that landed him on the DL or IL. Um, and uh, so uh, I don't think he's uh, on the horizon, but 
but uh, maybe uh, sometime in the future. They they need him. Stephen, uh, quick thoughts on maybe the Jays? They're you know obviously playing better with a you know a more healthy version of themselves. Uh, maybe they have enough time uh, the rest of this year to get into the playoffs. Maybe not. Um, just kind of your thoughts on Toronto going forward. Yeah, I mean, it seems like well, the the Jays were due for some positive regression to the mean sort of thing, especially in the pitching department. They've seen a little bit of that the last two weeks, just like on the other end of things, Boston was due for some negative regression to the mean. And I think just what we're seeing here are just in the last week, the vagaries of a long season. The Red Sox have been you know, playing a little bit over their heads to a certain extent in terms of when you look at some of the underlying peripherals, just like the Yankees have been playing under them. And I think we're seeing that all of these teams, again, in the East, save the Orioles, were all a lot more evenly matched than what the records were showing, and it's finally bearing out. And just these last couple months are going to just be an absolute barn burner going forward. I mean, Fangraphs has Boston, the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the A's all projected within two games of each other uh, coming down. 92, 91, and 90 wins, basically. So one little slip one way or the other is going to really make a huge difference. And you know, going back to the Red Sox, Matt, you know this side of things much more. But it's going to be really interesting just not only the way the rest of this season uh, plays out, but then going into the off season, especially if the season doesn't end well, how much pressure starts to kind of build on Heim uh, in the front office. Just, you know, Red Sox fans aren't exactly noted for having the uh, longest fuse. So, I mean, it didn't exactly help matters that one of Heim's first moves was having to, you know, whether, you know, whether it came from ownership or whatever, having to trade Mookie Betts. So a season like this, where they started out so well and then slowly came back to the pack. And if it, you know, goes south the rest of the year and it results in a missed uh, playoff berth, I'm sure the fans will be out for blood in that case. They might be. It, I mean, it, it, he's got a, you know, it, there's parallels to Mike Elias here, right? Like, you know, both guys have a plan and they're sticking with it, you know, for better or worse. And, it, you know, in this in this case, maybe a little more flexibility would have served the Red Sox well. But, um, you know, it, it is true that um, unlike the Orioles, their farm system is, is you know, still being built up. Um, you know, they, they did, uh, well, I was going to say they did well in the draft. They did well at the very top. They got Marcelo Mayer or Meyer, but um, they didn't sign their second round pick. Anyway, whatever. Um, it, you know, there's, there's definitely, um, uh, you know, a, a plan that they're following along with. And I think that you know, could likely include some significant additions this off season. Um, you know, this, this past season was a, a, you know, was a really raise esque kind of, uh, you know, delving into the market, you know, picking up guys like uh, Christian Arroyo at second base, like uh, Hunter Renfro, former Ray uh, in right field. And those guys have performed well for the most part, but you know, they, you might, they might want to add a little more star power, maybe even in the rotation. Um, but you know, that's, that's a question for later. I, I think the, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I look at the Yankees roster and they don't really, I, I don't, I'm just not that. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's not anything there that really makes me think they're, they're going to be, um, you know, big players. I, I know Jameson Tyons pitched better, um, you know, they, they added Gallo who's hit well, they added Rizzo who's hit really well until, uh, you know, joining the COVID list cause he refuses to get vaccinated. Um, 
but uh you know that that bullpen is bizarrely still a bit of a mess um they're not a good fielding team neither is boston or toronto for that matter um so i i think i think chris is right i think it's gonna you know things are going to be really close the the blue jays paid a lot for jose barrios but if ever there was a time to do it i feel like this this may have been it um because not only do they have him for this year and this offense deserves some decent pitching um you know but they have them for next year as well. So, you know, this off season, they'll have a chance to, to further upgrade that, uh, you know, that rotation and, and really, uh, you know, I, I feel like, uh, you know, as, as good as the Red Sox have been over the first three, whatever months of the year, and as, you know, big a behemoth as the Yankees are just in general, the team that should probably scare Orioles fans, you know, going forward uh, is, is the Blue Jays. Um, you know, that's a yeah, young positional court with, with right. uh, who hasn't reached their ceilings yet and, and have and uh, a, a big market that can spend yeah, lots of money. Spend, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, big, I'm a big fan of barriers. I, I like him a lot of those, you know, not that I'm rooting for the Jays, but I thought it was a nice addition for them to go yeah. and, uh, uh, you know, I mean, if you weren't going to get Scherzer, he was the the next best guy, and you could argue that he was the best guy because he's got another year of team control as well. So right. yeah, they did really well. So let's skip over to the National League. Last week we weren't overly complimentary of the Phillies, and they responded with a "screw you" to, uh, to the warehouse <laughs> with, uh, with an eight game winning streak entering today, and they've taken the lead in the National League East. Uh, what's propelling them currently, Stephen? Well, but before getting into the Phillies, I would like to also note that the uh, Braves have been uh, seven and three in their last ten, so they're start they maybe are starting to turn things around. And you know, just given even minus Acuna, I'd still be a little bit more willing to bet on the Braves. And admittedly, the Phillies are also playing above their heads currently. Like you know, they're four games over where the peripherals, base runs, expected record should be. So, but. Let's, as you said, what's going on in the last, say, two weeks to give it a little bit more than just those 10 games? You know, their stars are hitting like they should. You know, Real Muto is doing well. Bryce Harper's been on an absolute tear with like a 261 WRC plus in that time, just rolling on through. The starters have been, you know, all right, not spectacular, but, you know, solidly, you know, especially that uh, core trio of Wheeler, Gibson, and uh, Aaron Nola. But the big one for them, and Matt, you brought up bullpens earlier. The Phillies have one of the, at least on the year, worst bullpens in baseball. And in the last 14, so just to give kind of a reference point, like, you know, uh, the prior to the last two weeks, there were, you know, the bull, Phillies bullpen was like a 469 ERA. And their um, win probability added, they were worth negative three wins over the whole year. One, the second worst in all of baseball. In the last two weeks, They've been worth about three quarters of a win and have a 328 ERA. So that has been basically a huge difference right there. I mean, that's a whole win extra to complement a you know a solid lineup, a solid rotation, especially after they got Gibson at the deadline, all that sort of thing. But you still got to ask questions because you know besides that 328 ERA. Um, they're throwing like a 483 FIP. Like, you know, they're the long-term peripherals say that that bullpen, I mean, besides the questions of bullpen performance that always exist, that bullpen performance in those 14 days is uh, has a little bit of a mirage uh, kind of element to it. So while it's true, they're in the lead, they are still projected to be the, right now, fan graphs, just by the nature of them being in the lead and seemingly have a little bit of a turnaround, have them as the uh, favorites to win the division. It's not a strong favorite or anything. I would still be, I would still take the field over them 
uh, say over the Phillies and probably had to pick a team. I'm not sure which one I would pick, but I, I still don't love the Phillies given that again, the bullpen seems to be a bit of mirage and the starters are still pitching around where they were. You know, if the lineup is a turnaround, you know, Hey, great. Um, it's just that bullpen is just so God awful over the whole course of the year that I wouldn't be willing to bet that this is a uh, new leaf for them. Yeah. The, the bullpen is, is bad um, there. And it's, it's weird. Cause they actually have a number of, like you brought up, you know, a, a couple of them guys who are performing at the top of the league. I mean, Zach Wheeler is in the conversation for um, national league Cy Young award. Um you know, he's, he's got almost six wins already, uh, 10 and a half Ks per nine, two walks per nine, 50% ground ball rate. Um, you know, and that's, that's with, you know, eight to 10 more starts to go. He could easily hit, or not easily, he could hit eight war on the season. Um, you know, you brought up Bryce Harper, like he's been on fire. He's uh, 159 weighted runs created plus that's only behind Fernando Tatis Jr. in the National League. Um, you know, he's got an MVP case there, especially if Tatis doesn't come back healthy. And, and especially if the Phillies, you know, win the division, that will help also. Um, you know, so the, the top of that rotation, you know, if Nola has his stuff together and Wheeler's there and, you know, they're starting Ranger Suarez, they pulled him out of the bullpen, which who knows if that's a good idea. Um, you know, and, and uh, Zach Elfin, that's, that's for presumably decent starters um if you uh if you can get a lot of innings out of those guys and minimize the potential damage the bullpen makes and the offense keeps hitting because that's a that's a deeper lineup than i think i gave them credit for um you know they've they've got a bunch of guys who are at or above league average um so it's it's possible they're definitely a flawed team but so is every team in that division oh you know? yes absolutely the, the Mets can't hit and um Jacob deGrom who knows what's going on with that can't stay healthy um, yeah uh Seems you know the Braves are, as, as a whole right yeah the Braves are so beat up you know missing Acuna missing Ian Anderson um I think that's a, a large, probably the larger, more interesting point, right? You both kind of raised the fact that it's the ebbs and flows of a 162-game season, and then you have large-scale parity helped by uh, injuries and otherwise and uh, yeah, extended division play. So you don't have to be great if you can be uh, middling and above average. Uh, you, you know, you – can be uh, a playoff team in, in multiple divisions. Um, and staying on that track, we'll stay in the National League, and we'll look at the Central, where uh, Cincinnati's been hot recently, and they've closed some ground on Milwaukee. Um, yeah, just thoughts on the Reds, and do you see that race getting closer, Matt? The Reds are, you know, a Dodgers-level offense, uh, and one of, the, uh, one of the worst fielding teams in baseball. Uh, I think that's one of the undersold aspects of, of the Dodgers. I need not ask about oh, the Dodgers, but absolutely. Um, no. it, yeah. You know, the fact that they have guys who both can hit and field at the same time, like the Reds were able to find these guys who can, who can club the ball, but, but they, they can't, they can't field it very well. Um, uh, just as a pause, I mean, we've mentioned yeah. defense a few times at, at already on the show. And don't you feel outside of maybe uh, the Rays and Dodgers and, you know, maybe a couple other teams that uh, defense is becoming 
seemingly less valued by by front offices. Like I kind of wonder. It's like as you look at the way they build and construct their teams, and I don't know if that's uh, just solely because of uh, shifts or otherwise. But uh, it's not that we don't care at all about defense, but the the way teams are built, I mean, they they just don't seem to be. Uh, it doesn't seem to be as larger priority <laughs> uh well the uh, brewers the brewers are the best defensive team in baseball by fangraphs metrics and i think that's a big and by part stat of, cast. and by stat yeah. cast, at least one of the best i mean that's a big part of their success this year you know they're you know run prevention team they've had you know some guys uh step up in the rotation but um you know their entire pitching staff has prevented runs and i think their their defense is a, a big reason you know, behind that. And I think, you know, getting back to the question you asked initially, Chris, that's what sets them apart to me. You know, they're, they're not a good hitting team. You know, they've got some good hitters, but they're not a good hitting team. But, but I just don't see Cincinnati able to make up that, uh, that gap. It seems like, you know, that's one of the fun aspects of uh, baseball in general to me is that there's multiple ways to build a team. (laughs) And you can come to the same, you know, uh, how many runs can you create and how many runs can you prevent? And uh, I, I like seeing teams with uh, different approaches. So uh, haven't checked, you know, you mentioned uh, where Milwaukee was defensively. I really hadn't uh, viewed that. That's interesting. Uh, I'd be interested. I know baseball prospectus had like uh, what defic- defensive efficiency and how yeah. effective, uh, effective you are uh, there, and, uh, you know, uh, outs on balls in play. So um, that's something to look there. Uh, yeah, like you said, the Reds have been hot. I, I kind of – I saw the same thing. Their pitching just seems – it's hard to believe that's going to hold up uh, the rest of the way. But the offense has uh, offense has a fair amount of pop. Uh, and, uh, I, I didn't check to see how many division games that those teams have left and who uh, – how many uh, they have head-to-head. And that's the interesting aspect in some of these uh, uh, divisional – you know, matchups we're talking about. Uh, the Brewers do have a um, tougher strength of schedule going forward. Um, average win percentage is like, uh, as of right now, is 483 for remaining opponents, and uh, Reds 467. So that's, you know, a few wins difference. So, I mean, um, it might be enough to catch up, but I tend to agree. I think the Brewers will be able to hold that because, I mean, the Reds have, I've said it a few times about these teams, are still playing above their heads and are, uh, do for a little bit of the negative regression that they've kind of seen recently or that they haven't seen, I guess, recently. When you talk about different ways to build teams, I guess one of the reasons I've always liked to raise besides them being able to, um, you know, annually compete in the East with lower revenues is that uh, a lot of times pitching and defense and, and speed and just you know, and particularly the speed in the defense, you know, those things that are, are going to be there every game, and, and uh, uh, a lot of times it does show up. Defense, uh, defense doesn't slump, right? That's the that's the right. saying. Defense doesn't slump. I I think that's that's totally right, Chris. I think that's a big, you know, you know, it, it, hitting is expensive. Um, you know, top flight relievers are expensive. Top top flight. Um, starting pitchers are expensive, but if you have a great fielding defense, you can take, you know, your more average players and plug them in and get more out of them because of, you know, turning those doubles into outs. 
So we'll turn our attention uh, back to the Orioles a little bit. Last week we talked about Adley Rutschman and being time for him to ascend to AAA. And uh, the Orioles, maybe Mike Elias listens, and uh, uh, they have uh, moved him to Norfolk. So excited to see that. And I guess I'm curious of your thoughts. Should uh, his former Bowie Bay Sox teammate, uh, Rodriguez, should he be following him uh, to Norfolk? Uh, what are your thoughts there? And uh, Matt, or yeah, Stephen, we'll start with you. Well, I I would say he probably should be, because um, I mean, he he's been putting up great numbers, great strikeout numbers, controlling the walks. Um, he's only like twenty one point seven, give or take, and the average age in Double A is about twenty four. So he's putting up these numbers at as an extremely young player for the league. You know, there there are a couple of little. I guess you could say downsides like, you know, he's allowing a few more home runs than you'd maybe like to see home runs per fly ball, a little higher than average, but uh Bowie tends to, uh, Bowie tends to be a bit of a home run park, uh, at least in the last few years, according to some uh, minor league park factors that are out there. And there are a few more increased line drives and fly balls, but again, he's doing all this at a very young age. He probably should be going up to Norfolk. That said, I think he'll probably wind up staying in double a the rest of the year. I, well, if the minor league season ended in the first week of September, like it has in years past, I would almost be a hundred percent sure that he would, and he would stay down there for the quote unquote playoff chase since uh, Bowie right now is in line to make the double a playoffs for what that's worth. But with those extra couple of weeks, it's possible that he might be able to make it up to a uh, triple a, but um, I wouldn't, I would kind of put it about a coin flip, maybe 60%. He doesn't give or take. Matt, the peripherals for Rodriguez have been dominating. Obviously, Stephen mentioned the the homers uh, overall, but um, at both low A and high A, Rodriguez has dominated. The thing that you'll look at his game log and you'll notice is that he has not logged a ton of innings, and I have to think this is largely by design, uh, partly the talent of the arm, partly 21 trying to get people through uh, – this season, uh, it, you know, when you think about him possibly making the jump to AAA this year, would you like to see him um, log a few longer starts at the AA level before make, making that jump, or does that matter to you at all? It doesn't matter to me. Uh, I I mean, you look at a guy, and so, all right, it, it's hard to know – like, you know, I, I expect the, you know, the guys on the verge to know intricately about Rodriguez, you know, um, and, and Steven knows more about him. I, I've never seen a pitch. I'm looking at the stat lines and reading scouting reports um, and, you know, interpreting from those. And, you know, there's there's dangers involved with doing it that way. Um, ideally, you know, you'd you'd uh, you know, you'd be talking to scouts and developing, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. But. Um, at, if you just look at how he's pitched in double A, I mean, the strikeouts are ludicrous 74 strikeouts and 48 innings. I mean, that's domination. And, and he's got 14 walks, which fine, like whatever. Um, yeah. I mean, should he be in triple A right now? Yeah, he should be. I, I, I don't think that's a huge <laughs> statement, um, you know, or anything crazy. I, I think, I mean, what is he? 21. I think you could make an argument he should be pitching in the majors right now, you know, the, and I, I think it's a different thing for pitchers than it is for hitters. You know, with pitchers, you're always worried about injury. Um, you know, every pitch is a pitch closer to, you know, your elbow or your shoulder or whatever it is going out. Um, 
And, you know, on an infinite timeline, every single pitcher is going to have some serious surgery. So it's a question of when, uh, not if. And, you know, when you have a guy like, like Rodriguez, it, do you really, you know, as, as the term goes, do you really want to burn those bullets in, you know, getting double A hitters out? Uh, yeah, I think you, you made the, that argument last week with, with, with Rutschman and catchers, and I wholeheartedly agree. And I guess to a lesser but similar extent, I also feel that for for pitching <laughs> for as well. And you, you I mean, know, you can you can at least say okay, Rutschman still has maybe things to learn defensively in the minors. You know, in terms of pitch calling, or you know, there's a I think there's a lot more that goes into to catching than you know when you have the kind of stuff and command that Rodriguez has shown in double a, um, you know, and, and the other thing is we've seen pitchers come up and have success in the majors at his age. It's not like he's, he's not 18 or 17 or 19 or something like that. You know, guys who are 21, 22 come up and, and dominate. We've seen it before. Um, so. I'm big on guys getting challenged, right? You know, for, for me, it's uh, if you're at a level and you're dominating the level, I, I just yeah. wonder about what you're what you're getting at at some point. You know, it's nice to see the uh, the the numbers, I guess, overall. But you know, baseball is such a game built on adversity. I want to see you deal when everything isn't going your way, and you're facing uh, competition at a higher level and, and more equal to your own talent. That you know, how do you perform and how do you handle when you uh, you know. Uh, I'd like to see Rodriguez knocked around a little, you know, <laughs> how do you respond to that versus, you know, just overwhelming Eastern league hitters, uh, you know, the, again, start up start, but uh, I still think Rodriguez is on track to join Rutschman in the majors next May, June. And You'd hope so. You'd hope so. You'd hope he's not still in the minors <laughs> at that point. I mean, if he is, you know, he's obviously hit some sort of snag and or gotten hurt, right? Yeah. And pitching development is so non-linear. It, you know, any development is non-linear for players, but pitching development particularly. So it, especially with, you know, as part, you go park to park, all that sort of thing, who knows what he has to deal with in, you know, in Norfolk, you know, you put more pitches on the outside corner. If you have a short opposite field fence, maybe a few more right. sneak out or something weird like that. Like, um, but yeah, I would agree that he's probably in line for some time in 2022. Although I think I, I'd be surprised if it's June. Just I don't know why. I just call it a hunch on my part. I think he's more the uh, August September guy on that end. I mean, depending on how sense. the season goes. If they brought him up, you know, shortly, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, and then started him in AAA next year. And he pitches well in AAA. Neither of those are crazy ideas, you know. I mean, would it be would it be ridiculous to bring him up in May or June? No, not at all. I mean, if he, if he starts at AAA next year and then he does, to your point, Stephen, development is not linear, and he's struggling in AAA, and there's a, a real, you know, he's adapting to that level, or or he's working on secondaries or whatever, and there is something that you can directly point to developmental wise that's worth for him staying. I, I'll certainly live with that. If he goes to AAA and he's performing and he's held back until July or August, you're going to have to find another uh, co-host. I'm going to have coronary and just leave my fucking <laughs> mind. Because <laughs> uh, I agree with Matt. I mean, if, if we weren't talking about service time, the, then – 
Rodriguez and Rutschman should be wearing an Orioles uniform today, in my opinion. Oh, of course. But, I mean, that'd be half, but, half but like you the have to fact, prospects would be like that. <laughs> right, which in baseball itself would be a more interesting product overall. But uh, So hopefully it gets corrected in the next you know, CBA. But obviously today, with today's rules, we, we understand. And, yeah, I'd rather have another year of Rutschman and Rodriguez down the road when you're hopefully uh, – you're a contender versus, you know, having them up here in the middle of a, of a lost uh, year for, you know, a few months. But you certainly get that. But next year, you've gained the extra year of control. Yeah, I mean, at that point, uh, you know, I hope at that point they're they're both up. But we'll see. To your point, it's a good point. You know, what are they actually doing on the field at that point, particularly, you know, particularly Rodriguez? Uh uh, and when he makes that next jump, whenever that is. So uh, we're talking waiver wire additions. All right. So <laughs> Jorge Mateo, the Orioles grabbed him. Uh, all right. Uh, he's a bit better prospect than the typical waiver uh, options. Former top 100 prospect. Went to Futures game 2019 in the uh, hitter-laden PCL. Had, had a pretty nice year. Uh, high speed. Uh, guy and um, you know he's another guy right now that for the remainder of 21 can get some uh, regular ABs and see if you what you have there just uh, you know curious your thoughts uh, on him Matt well I was reading up on him um, you know and you mentioned his his PCL line uh, which was 289 330 504 which sounds great Um, but uh, his because Steven talked about, you know, minor league ballparks, his slugging percentage was actually one of the lowest marks on the team. That was a, <laughs> I mean, that's below average for the league. That line is below average for the PCL. It's 96 WRC plus. Like that's yeah. wow. That, that does put things into context, doesn't it? Jeez. Yeah. So it, it's crazy. I mean, he has elite speed, you know, um, and that's what he brings to the table. Sadly, you know, the, the hitting is just never developed. He doesn't walk at all. Um, he has walked in the minors like back a ways, but not in the most recent years and not at all at the major league level. I mean, it's like 2% in the majors. So I, you know, you take a flyer on a guy with an elite skill. Um, it, you know, the Orioles are in that situation still, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. Just, uh, roll the dice and maybe you can pull something out of, out of him. You know, the, the reports on his defense are unfortunately not like fantastic. You would think with maybe that, that kind of speed that he would be an elite defender and center. Maybe they can turn him into one. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, right, right now, I think, uh, I think that's, that's what, what Chris just did, which is a dice roll. I think that's what it is. You've got a, a spot where, you know, he's a, a slightly better than the, than the guy he's replacing. And, uh, and you just hope you can get something out of that. And that's, that's sort of where we are. Or at the least he's another guy than the guy he's replacing. Right. And you yeah. just have the opportunity to give, give someone else playing time and we'll yeah. see. I mean, he he offers some positional flexibility. He's played six positions this year at various points. So, I mean, that's that at least has value. And yeah, the hit tool isn't there, but like, still, it's this is the type of guy that the Orioles should be taking risks on, given where they are in the whole process. You know, this time next year, hopefully not. But right now, this is the this is that type of guy. The positional versatility that is 
definitely something that Elias is keying on. And I know you came, obviously, Stephen, we mentioned you came from the Rays organization, and that's something I think the, the, the Rays uh, may be ahead of the curve there. Uh, but That's uh, a big thing with the Red Sox now, another yeah. Rays team. Yep. <laughs> but very directly Rays team. Right. So Ryan Mountcastle, he had to go on the IL with a concussion. I was going to ask you guys where he ranks in the AL uh, Roy race. Uh, I'm aware of the Fangraphs numbers. Rosarena, uh, 2.1 F4. You know, Mountcastle only 0.9. In fact, he trails his Orioles teammate uh, Urias uh, in overall F4. Uh and then there's uh, uh, Adolfo Garcia. He's got 24 bombs and a you know 2.1 F4. So Malcastle has some. Uh, I, you know, I don't know where you would have him in the hierarchy. Probably behind both of them, and this will uh, further delay any cumulative numbers. But uh, I think on the numbers that maybe more of the voters pay attention to, Malcastle's close. And uh, he, he, with a positive last two months here, if he's not out for any significant amount of time, I think he has a chance to get into that race. Just curious your guys' thoughts there. Uh, uh, I kind of tend to I, I tend to have him lower down just because like specifically ignoring war because of the positional adjustments, all that sort of thing. And that's going to. That's going to hit Mountcastle real hard. I mean, real hard. Um, the the challenge for him is that it took him a while to get going. You know, the second half of the season, he's looking a lot better. But the first half was a little rough. So right now, in terms of WRC+, plus, which, you know, combines all of those various offensive, um, you know, at least hitting things into one number, he's 12th amongst rookies in the uh, overall end of things. So um, I forgot to... Uh, no, I, I did sort it by AL. So 12th in the American League, you know, amongst hitters. And then you have guys, you know, on the pitching side, you know, Luis Garcia is, you know, putting up great numbers in the rotation with Houston, which they really needed, you know, given some of their injuries and question marks coming to the year. And so, um, and again, a Rosarina for our playoff team is continuing his hot streak. Like those two, as, as much as Mountcastle is building on those two things, I think those two guys just particularly with the storyline that's there are going to be kind of the runaway ones. I think Mountcastle, if, if he hadn't gotten the concussion and those sort of things, I mean, Byron Buxton suffered so long with the after effects of that. And there were so many questions dealing with that, that you never really know how they're going to come back. If he hadn't come back, if he hadn't had that problem and been able to build on his second half performance, I could have seen him as a, you know, uh, fringe top five uh, type of guy in the end. Um, but I really think Garcia and Rosarina are going to run away just due to the storyline aspects that are really, besides their excellent performance, the storyline aspects are just going to push them over the top. That's a great point, Stephen. The storyline definitely counts in in the awards. Uh, Matt, beyond the hardware, Malcastle got past his early season struggles, and basically he is what we thought he was. It to me, right? I mean, uh, yeah, if he's hitting like he has been, I think that's that's accurate. You know, he's an above average bat, not you know, not great on the on base, um, lots of power, um, still lacks a defensive home. Um, I think, I think those are all you know, all there, but I think it's a guy that you know, maybe he's not a foundational piece, but he's a an above average piece that if you use him properly, um, 
you know, minimize the things that he's not good at and maximize the things that he is good at, then you can get some, you know, a lot of, a lot of value and some wins out of, out yeah, of Yeah. He's like, uh, he's like Mancini in that he's yeah. not an elite player, but, uh, he can be a productive player and, and maybe he can learn some plate discipline as he gets older too and learns the strikes. And I mean, I know that's, sure. you know, right. it's iffy, um, but and some while, guys, while he's some on his rookie deal, he costs nothing. Right. And while right. he costs nothing and productive, then you have a lot of value. Um, yeah. Well, it's another reason that it's kind of questionable why they didn't trade Mancini, not to get back into that again, but but there's a lot of similarities in what those two players do well on the field, at least, um, and and don't. And uh, so, but anyway. It was, um, it was interesting for me over the last uh, few weeks before the concussion is that Mountcastle had kind of taken over first with Mancini uh, sliding into DH more often and, you know, that can I work. I mean, it, it, you know, it, was, yeah. it was fine. I kind of, I'm in my head. I might have had it flipped, but I, I mean, I found you know their skills are similar. I've always looked at them first in DH. You know, between them, just uh, just a little bit curious. It was interesting to me that the Mountcastle, uh, at least via Orioles manager Brandon Hyde, they must view him as the slightly superior glove whatever that whatever that means there directly first or at least they're still trying to make that work which you know potentially increase you know increases value um and you know to the team i mean i think you know it's still an open question whether or not mancini is a, a long-term oriole or not and you know it's definitely better for for the organization if mountcastle can play first base full time and do it at an adequate level yeah. So we'll turn things over to my uh, co-host here. Do they have anything to uh, wrap up the week with? And I didn't tell them we were doing this, so blank eyes <laughs> looking at me. So my, my apologies there. No, it's okay. So, I mean, I think uh, you know, at least for me, the you know the question is: Are the Red Sox going to continue falling like a, a rock off a cliff? Uh, you know, they had the well, best. You got to think. Sale, you know, provides a lift, even if he's not sale uh you know it, yeah but it, he's it, not getting here until next weekend and uh, uh and between now and then there are baseball games to be lost or one sorry one um and uh yeah i think that's a uh that goes back to the discussion we had previously or, or you know is the east getting two teams or three <laughs> and then you look maybe at, at the west right and then uh that would be the thing to look at is who has to head the head left uh, with the Western teams uh, there. And it could yeah, come down I, to this. I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I know the, yeah, the Astros strength of schedule is really low compared to the rest of their division. And, you know, they're already up. I would expect that they're going to win. So that's, you know, the A's are probably the next best. I, I don't know. I'm still not buying the Mariners. Maybe you guys are. Uh, I don't know. Not really. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Especially being five games out still with a yeah. uh, negative run differential. So uh, yeah, yeah. They're sort uh, of the, the mean, Red Sox in, in the East. Bigger. Sorry, Chris, in the East, the four teams they got to. I mean, they're going to have their own head to head, and they cannot afford to lose games to the Orioles. <laughs> and that's pretty much. Uh, you know, Tampa just took uh, three from the Orioles here in Baltimore over the weekend. Uh, Orioles bullpen collapsed basically all three games uh, late, but those were, you know, games a raise needed, uh, and 
you got to think, you know, we, we talked about Toronto. You know, any head-to-head uh, left with Baltimore, I, I would got I got to think the teams will all mark those games as games they have to win and can't, you know, can't give away. Yep. So that'll be fun. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, uh, that will do it for us. Thanks for listening. Again, go give our colleagues at the On the Verge a listen. Come and join the discussions at our board, Baltimore Sports and Life, and on our message board. Uh, thanks for listening to The Warehouse once again. Take care. Have a good week, guys.